Holy Hour of Power, the Terry and Jesse Show, two Catholics that love the Lord, PhD in Common Sense, Faithful Sons of Holy Mother Church, devotees of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. And today is the feast day of St. Rose of Lima. Pray for us. Terry, I'm on duty. What about you? I'm on duty, Jess, and I'm so excited, man. I just, you know, every day when this comes to me, uh, it's, it's a another opportunity of joy to share the gospel. And today we're going to be talking about a bombshell that Cardinal Burke dropped on the Senate ideology and, and about the schism. And also Bishop Joseph Strickland, our very own bishop uh, here, the America's bishop, he also dropped a bomb with a letter on the Queenship of Mary yesterday to the flock. And uh, we're going to cover all that and much more. And our friends from... from uh, 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 Church relevant, church, yeah, church militant. militant, sorry, yeah. church militant coming on. I got a senior moment there, Jess. And uh, we're going to have that going. So we got a lot to do, but I want you to know this. When you're, what we're going to be covering today should inspire you to step up your prayer life, should step up uh, your evangelization, because we're in a time with our backs are at the wall. And this is our moment to share the gospel with anyone who will listen. So, Jess, uh, I don't have any updates on any other uh, good-to-know files. I've been kind of busy setting up some funerals and different— Oh, one more project thing, just to let you know. Uh, we're getting lots more registrations for the Bishop Strickland event, September 1 and 2. You can still register by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and register for a two-day conference. It's going to be awesome. Jess, what about you? Yeah, Terry, let's uh, <clears throat> let's go to the saint of the day, St. Rose of Lima. Oh, boy. <clears throat> I actually, all, my entire life, I went to a parish when I lived in... Um, I remember that. Southern California. Yeah. Santa Rosa. That's right. Santa Rosa de Lima in San Fernando. Mm -hmm. I received all my sacraments. Every sacrament that I received, I received at that church, Santa Rosa de Lima uh, in San Fernando. Uh, so I have fond memories of this saint because I, ever since kindergarten, I went to that school. Wow. Uh, the nuns, uh, the full-habited nuns would talk about St. Rosalima. Mm -hmm. So what do we know about her? Uh, St. Rosalima, her name was Isabel. She was born in 1586 in Lima, beautiful Peru. Beautiful girl. Go ahead. She was, uh, yeah, she was a beautiful girl. Yep. In fact, when she was born, the nurse, the nurse <laughs> remarked, said, right. beautiful like a rose. Yep. And so that name stuck. So from a very young age, this beautiful little girl, she felt that she was chosen by God. But... She didn't want to get married. She didn't want to. Uh, she didn't want boys to like her, men to like her. So she ended up actually disfiguring her face <laughs> no. by rubbing it with pepper and dirt yeah. to to ward off possible uh, boyfriends. At the age of twenty, she took the habit of the of the Dominican Third Order, and she chose for her hermitage a tiny but a tiny hut in the family garden, and she cared tenderly for the poor in a room of her parents' house. She was frequently criticized by her neighbors but also frequently consoled by uh, profound experiences of Christ's presence. She died in 1617. She, she made the statement. She said that the cross is like a ladder to heaven. Yep. The cross is the ladder to heaven. And she also was known, at least on four different instances, it was documented that she prayed over people and raised four people from the dead. St. Rose of Lima, pray, pray for, for us. You know, Jesse, there's some saints we can mimic uh, and say, we'll try to be like them, okay? This girl wore this hair shirt. She did so much penance for, and for I mean, she was a saint, but she was doing penance for the world to convert to Christ. But I would say this, I admire her more than anything because she tried to mimic St. Catherine of Siena. 
I mean, she, we're talking about she's probably one of the most powerful women saints in the Catholic Church today, Jess. Yeah, you're right, Terry. I mean, how, how many other saints do you know have risen, exactly. have raised four people from the dead through their prayers? <laughs> no, I don't know. Too many. Yeah. Um, I think another one that gives her kind of a run for her money is, is, is uh, St. Catherine of Siena, Doctor of the Church. Well, that was her model. That was her model. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, I, I read that St. Catherine of Siena, her mom was dead. She went to go visit her dead mom. <laughs> That's right. And she, uh, she said, no, Lord, I don't want to lose her yet. And she prayed <gasps> that God would raise her from the dead. And that's exactly what happened. So St. Catherine of Siena, through her prayers, yeah. uh, raised her mom from the dead. And, and St. Rose of Lima fra- raised four other lay people from the dead. Very, very powerful women. It goes to show you, Terry, that, yes. that uh, uh, it's why did God listen to their prayers? Because of extreme holiness. And Jesse, this should inspire every single person listening to say, wait a minute. That's unbelievable. Yes, but, you know, miracles like this are still going on in the Catholic Church. Eucharistic miracles. You know, we just have to have our eyes open. What's happening, Jesse, is we get distracted by the world, the devil, and the flesh, and we forget about the supernatural view of living a life. Because just like we said before, what's the worst thing anybody can do to us? Kill us? Yeah. You know, but you know what? If we die for Christ, we go, we go straight to heaven for all eternity. Is that that sounds good to me? Okay, but let's get into the gospel for today, Jess. Sign me up. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, yes. Um, John chapter twenty, uh, Matthew chapter twenty. Excuse me. Yes. Verses one to sixteen. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Jesus told his disciples this parable: The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You too go into my vineyard, and I will give you, I will give you what is just. So they went off, and he went out again around, the, around noon, and around three o'clock, and did likewise. Going around uh, going around, uh, going out about five o'clock, he found others standing around, and he, and he said to them, "Why do you stand here idle all day?" They answered, "Because no one has hired us." He said to them, "You too go into my vineyard." When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, "Summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who started at about five o'clock came, each usually, <clears throat> each received the usual daily wage." So when the first one came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burdens and the heat. He said to, he said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus, <clears throat> the last will be first, and the first will be last. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is the parable of the householder. That's what it's called, the parable of the householder. And, and this parable highlights God's generosity, especially like in verse 15. <clears throat> but what our Lord is telling us, He's referring here to Israel's labor, the Jewish people, the Old Covenant, through all salvation history, but it climaxes now that Jesus Christ is including the Gentiles. And it shows in this parable the way the Jews don't like that. Yep. Uh, the New Covenant, where now Jew and Gentile are both included, but despite the complaints, 
there's no violation of justice because God's, God's not unfair to Israel. He's not unfair to the Jews. He's simply generous to the coming Gentiles, that's us, making us equal members of his people in the family of God, the Catholic Church. Um, Origen, he gives a moral interpretation of this verse. Origen says, The hours of the workday correspond to the stages in life when people turn to God. When converted, they are rescued from idle living to serve God in his vineyard, where they harvest much fruit for God before sunsets on their earthly life. Whether converted in life or later in life, all are awarded the generous and equal gift of eternal life. In other words, St. Dismas, he, uh, he won eternal life right at the last moment. Incredible. But guess what? Uh, nonetheless, God is able to give what belongs to him, which is eternal life. And he's, he's able to give to it freely to every, anybody he wants. Mm-hmm. Some people have served God all their life. Say like St. Rose of Lima. Yeah. Basically was touched very young by God and served God all her life. Dismas... Uh, had a conversion to God very late in life at the at, at his cross, but uh, this parable talks about the way that salvation is uh, doesn't matter if you come late or early when you're when when salvation into heaven uh, that can be ha- that can be that can be won by anybody at any hour of the day even at the last moment. Well said. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room, Bishop Sheen. <clears throat> Full Sheen ahead. Yep, here it comes. Yep. Jesse, this was written in 1948, brother. You've heard it before. It was writing in, in um, Bishop Athanasius Snyder's book. He said this. Bishop Sheen said, Satan, and I think it's happening right now, brother, will set up a counter church, will be the ape of the church. It will have all the notes, characteristics of the church, but in reverse, emptied of its divine content. The false prophet will have a religion without a cross. And we just talked about that. A religion without a world to come. Yeah, let's... Recycle, come on. No, we don't have to worry about the next world. A religion to destroy religion. One religion is as good as another, yeah. There will be a counterfeit church. Christ's church will be one, and the false prophet will create the other. The false church will be worldly, ecumenical, and global. Hmm. It will be a loose federation of churches and religions, forming some type of global association, a world parliament of churches, it will be emptied of all divine content. It will be the mystical body of the Antichrist. The mystical body on earth today will have its Judas Iscariot, and he will be the false prophet. Satan will recruit him from our bishops. I didn't say this, Jesse. Fulton Sheen said it. Yeah, I'm done. And what book is it in? That it's, it's, it's one, of the, one of his books, but Bishop Athanasius Snyder quoted it in his book. But, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, he quoted it. He couldn't do it. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about Cardinal Burke at the time, the bomb that he just dropped. He wrote an introduction on a book, and he was the former prefect of the apostolic signature, writes, we're told that the church we profess is a communion with our ancestors. Yes, and that's not being professed right now in October at the Senate. And he's going to call them out. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Hit it, Jess. This is unbelievable. This article... Jess, just to mention one thing. Cardinal Burke, he drops the bombshell on the Senate of ideology and schism. I mean, more cardinals, more bishops are calling out 
before this synod and saying, you know, what is being discussed has nothing to do with the perennial teachings of the church. This is all trying to put up a new religion. Go ahead, Jess. This is all good news on our side. Because I think so. Our side is, uh, yeah. is, is completely pushing back. Yeah. And I'm talking about our side orthodoxy. Yeah. I'm talking about the perennial teachings of the church, the yeah. deposit of faith as, right. as given to us by Christ and the apostles. The, our side is pushing back hard, and that's good to see. Cardinal Gerhard Mueller has called it a hostile takeover. Powerful yep. words yep. of the Catholic Church. The late Cardinal George Pell termed it a toxic nightmare. A toxic nightmare. Now, <clears throat> Cardinal Raymond Burke has written a foreword to a new book denouncing the synod on synodality as a Pandora's box <laughs> that threatens to unleash grave harm on the mystical body of Christ. The synodal process is a Pandora's box. Uh, this book is co-authored by Jose Antonio Ureta mm-hmm. and Julio Loreto de Iscui. They present the readers <clears throat> with a series of 100 questions and answers aimed at informing the general public about a debate they say has been largely limited to limited to insiders mm-hmm. despite its potential revolutionary impact. In his foreword, Cardinal Raymond Burke, former prefect of the Apostolic Signatura, writes, We are told that the church we profess in communion with our ancestors and the faith from the time of the apostles to be one holy Catholic and apostolic is now to be defined by synodality, a term which has no history in the doctrine of the Catholic Church and for which there is no reasonable definition. It's amazing. And we should call it more, it should be called more the synod on sodomy. That would be a better term for it. Synodality, Synodality and its adjective synodal have become slogans behind which a revolution is at work to change radically the church's self-understanding in accord with a contemporary ideology which denies much of what the church has always taught and practiced, he adds. And by the way, this revolution has come about under Pope Francis, so let's just be honest. It's, uh, it's just let's a just be facts, clear. facts. The American Cardinal warns, <clears throat> it's not a purely theoretical matter for the ideology has already, for some years, for some years, been put into practice in the church in Germany, spreading widely confusion and error and their fruit division, indeed schism, to the harm of many souls. No, grave harm, Jesse. Oh, great. Oh, that, that grave harm. Yeah. Yep. With the imminent synod on synodality, it is rightly to be feared that the same confusion and error and division <clears throat> will be visited upon the universal church. Yeah, they're trying to spread this around the world. In yep. fact, it has already begun to happen through the preparation of the synod at the local level. Terry, you want to take it from there? Yeah, Jesse, announced by Pope Francis in 2021, the Senate on Synodality is being held in three phrases, local, continental, and universal. In October, around the corner, folks, the universal stage will begin with the 16th Ordinary General Assembly of the Senate of Bishops, which will bring together 300 bishops and the laity at the Vatican. The second assembly is to be held in 2024. Now, earlier this year, Pope Francis took the unprecedented step of granting equal voting rights, which both uh, for Episcopal and non-Episcopal members. Mm-hmm. Never before has that been done. Read what Pope Paul VI said in 65 about these Senate meet. Never. Released on August 22nd in eight languages, the Senate process is a Pandora's box, clearly 
and consciously answers a whole host of questions surrounding the controversial events. Drawing on official Senate documents and a wide range of sources, topics include, are you ready, the nature of the Senate of the Bishops and changes Pope Francis has introduced, Senate process on whether organizers truly consulted the people of God and the meaning of synodality, listening and inclusion, Repetitive slogans used at the Senate press conference. Boy, we've heard enough enough of that. Continue, Jess. The book also looks at what Synod promoters regard as a church's main problem, <laughs> what their solution would mean for a hierarchical church, yeah. and how it would affect the sacred liturgy. Oh, no. They're coming Here after comes. the Mass again. Yep. After the co- yeah. As if they haven't done enough damage already. Really? The authors then consider the highly controversial German synod, synodal way and its potential ramifications for the universal church. Specifically, they look at the push for church democratization, the ordination of women, and what the inclusion of homosexuals in the church in the church means for its promoters. Finally, they examine reactions to synodality, whether a Roman-style compromise will be found, and what sort of church would emerge if the synodal process were taken to its final consequences. Terry, yeah. they want to change the church exactly. from a vertical church to a horizontal, horizontal. church. Let's just read yeah. what that means is man makes up what truth is, not God. See, I really question what their faith really is in the sense of supernatural faith because— Most you, of them have lost it. Yeah, they've it's, well, based on what they say when they go, hey, the Bible's wrong, uh, homosexuality is okay. Well, you lost your faith, man. Yes. We'll pray for you. The book release comes amid the growing pushback in the media. We're part of that pushback, Jess. Yes. On August 14th, the French Daily Le Figaro ran a lengthy and stinging front-page article by respected journalist Jean-Marie Gronis, accusing the Vatican of moving forward without truly considering the spirituality of French Catholics. Go ahead, Jess. People think that the consultation that led to the preparatory document yeah. was biased like a maneuver to reach conclusions written in advance. One source told Genoius, according to French Vaticanist, the Senate's new working document, Instrumentum Laboris, mm-hmm. has caused unprecedented turmoil among moderate priests and a good number of bishops. As it should. Hitherto uncritical, many are worried about Francis's authoritarian and voluntarist assault on a reform they consider risky and confused. This new mistrust among prelates, among um, moderates, among moderates oh, is global. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Terry, he's losing, Pope Francis is losing. Oh, he's losing it. Yeah. People he's have losing realized a lot of, Yeah. He's losing a lot of his, his mm-hmm. bishops and, and, and priests. Such turmoil and mistrust will not be assuaged by a revealing recent interview given by one of the new voting lay members chosen by Pope Francis for the other for the October Synod. The Swiss laywoman, Helena Gepenzi Spuler, who in June presented the working document at the Vatican, she openly admitted she is for the ordination of women, that she believes the LGBTQIA plus issue <laughs> must be taken very seriously, and that it Anywhere. is our last chance. Unbelievable. <clears throat> the Synod organizers have insisted that no hidden... Uh, that no hidden uh, agenda, agenda exists, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Give me a break. But the reality of ex- but re- but the reality of ex- of exactly such an agenda is beginning to topple out of this Pandora's box, along with so much else that Cardinal Burke and many others fear will do harm will do great harm to the church 
and to souls the church is charged to save. Terry. And you know, Jesse, what she, he just said at the end, the, the church has souls to is charged to save. We know the last canon of canon law says everything the church does, it should reflect in saving souls for all eternity. Not recycling, not, you know, uh, trying to make uh, every religion is one religion. I mean, the, the point of it is we've got, to, we've got to share our identity. And I think, Jesse, that's exactly what Bishop Joseph Strickland did in a letter to his flock and to our, you know, America's bishop. Because what he said is this. You know, he said, may the love, he says, in this time of great turmoil, that's what Cardinal Burke calls it, in the church and in the world, this is Bishop Strickland writing a letter. I must speak to you from a father's heart in order to warn you of the evils that threaten us and to assure us of the joy and hope that we have always in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's always back to Jesus. The evil, and he said, the false messages that have invaded the church. Bishop Strickland, you're just, Cardinal Burke just talked about these. They're invading the church. Christ's bride is that Jesus is only one among many. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And that it's not necessary for his message to be shared with all humanity. Jesse, we talk about Christ, the kingship of Christ, and people are saying, no, 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 no. The church says he owns every inch of every place. He said, this idea must be shunned and refuted at every turn. This is Bishop Strickland speaking. We must share the joyful good news that Jesus is only is our only Lord and that he desires that all humanity for all time may embrace eternal life in him alone. Continue, Jess. Yeah, Terry, uh, this uh, I just want to just say that sure. this whole this whole uh, synod and synodality. Oh, it's crazy. It's uh, they're trying to change the church. Yeah. Let's just be honest. The left are trying to change the church. Why? They don't want a vertical church, Terry. They want a horizontal social justice church. And they're trying to change the church by these synods because the liberals have have their minds already made up. Yeah. These synods, Terry, are a Trojan horse. It's modernism. It's, it's smoke and mirrors. Yeah, it's modernism. Yep. It's parlor tricks. And, and they'll use words, Terry, to make us think like, wow, these people are very compassionate and loving. They'll say, we want to accompany you. Yeah. Or who am I to judge? Right. Or let's reach out to those on the periphery. Or we must accommodate. Or how about let's exchange ideas over a cup of gelato. <laughs> Or let's go out to... Gosh, let's so, go, it's so funny now. It's, let's it's, go out to the margins. Give me a or, or how about let's have an encounter. Yeah. Or how about people, meeting people where they're at. The, the, that, that phrase, meeting people where they're at by Catholic liberals, this is a phony excuse Lower the not bar. to call people to repentance. Exactly. That's what it is. And, and how about this, Terry? Tell me. We want to dialogue. Oh, yeah, I'm tired. Dialogue, yeah, dialogue to death. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that means basically nothing's going to change Okay, we're just—it's uh, it, just—it's just—it's just word salad, Terry. Yeah, it is. And I'm—and and I'm telling you, well said. I'm glad to see that Cardinal Mueller and Cardinal Raymond Burke and Bishop Strickland them, are yeah. speaking out against these guys. And we need to do more. And you know, he—he he said this. He said, once we understand that Jesus Christ, God's divine Son, is the fullness of revelation, the fulfillment of God's plan for salvation for all humanity, for all time, we embrace this with our hearts. Then we can address other errors that plague our church and our world, which have been brought about by a departure from truth. Jesse, I'd like to see these guys at the Senate sign off on this letter that they believe everything that Strickland is saying, because Strickland's not giving his personal opinion. He's giving what the church has always taught. 
And he quotes, I really like the St. Paul's letter to Galatians. He writes, I'm amazed that you are so quickly forsaken that the one who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, not that there's another, but there are some who are disturbing you and wish to pervert, I like that word, pervert the gospel of Christ. That's happening right now. They're perverting the gospel. That's exactly it. And, uh, and, and Venerable Fulton Sheen told us in 1972, who's going to save our church? Yeah, he did. Not our bishops, not our priests and religious. It's up to the people. You have the minds, the eyes, the ears to save the church. Amen. Your mission, lay people, is, see, is, is to see that your priests act like priests, your bishops like bishops, and your religious act like religious. Fulton Sheen. And Thank God, you, Sheen. Pray for us, Bishop Sheen. When we come back, we'll continue with Bishop Joseph Strickland's letter to the flock and give a summary of it. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're fired up because we know that at the end we win. The gospel of Christ is is universal. In other words, it will prevail all over the world, and it just needs time, and we need people to preach the gospel. Bishop Joseph Strickland wrote a letter. He called him America's Bishop. He says, As your spiritual father, I feel it's important to reiterate the following basic truths that have always been understood by the church from time immortal. And emphasize yeah, that immorial, yeah. Yeah, immorial. Yeah, thank you, Jess. And emphasize that the church exists not to redefine matters of faith. This is important what he's saying, but to safeguard the deposit of faith, as it has been handed down to us from our Lord Himself through the apostles, saints, and martyrs. Again, hearkening back to Saint Paul's warning to Galatians that any attempts to pervert the true gospel message must be categorically rejected as injurious to the bride of Christ and her individual members. Uh, Jess, how can you say it any clearer? Yeah, he makes a couple of points here. Point number one, Mm -hmm. Bishop uh, Strickland from Tyler, Texas, he makes seven points. Point number one, Christ established one church, the Catholic Church, and therefore not only the Catholic Church, uh, not only... Only the Catholic Church. Yes. Therefore... Only the Catholic Church, boy, one word could change the whole sentence. Exactly. Provides the fullness of Christ's truth and the authentic path to his salvation for all of us. Number two, Terry? Yeah, the Eucharist and all the sacraments are divinely instituted, not developed by man. Thank you. The Eucharist is truly Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. And to receive him in holy communion unworthily, okay, so that means in the state of grave, unrepentant sin is devastating sacrilege for individuals and for the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Thank you. Number three. The the sacrament of matrimony is instituted by God through natural law. God has established marriages between one man and one woman, faithful to each other for life and open to children. Humanity has no right or true ability to redefine marriage. Well said. Number four. Every human person is created in the image and likeness of God, male and female, and all people should be helped to discover their true identities as children of God and not supported in a disordered attempt to reject their undeniable biological and God-given identity. Wow. Next. Num- number five. Sexual activity outside marriage is always gravely sinful and cannot be condoned. 
blessed, or deemed permissible by any authority inside the church. Are you listening, German bishop? Exactly. Number six, the belief that all men and women will be saved regardless of how they live their lives, a concept commonly referred as universalism, is false. Thank you. And it's dangerous, yes, as it contradicts what Jesus tells us repeatedly in the gospel. Jesus said we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him, Matthew 16. He has given us the way through his grace to victory over sin and death, through repentance, a sacramental confession. It's essential that we embrace the joy and hope as well as the freedom that comes from repentance and humbly confessing our sins. Through repentance and sacramental confession, Every battle with temptation and sin can be a small victory that leads us to embrace the great victory that Christ has won for us. Wow, that goes right against the modernists. Go ahead. That's right. Point number seven made by Bishop Strickland in his, uh, yeah. it's, it's basically a letter, Diocese of, of Tyler, Texas. It was put out today, yesterday. Yes, yeah, Queen Jeff Mary. Yeah, and it's uh, addressed to my dear sons and daughters in Christ. Yep. Point number seven from the from the America's bishop. He says, in order to follow Jesus Christ, we must willingly choose to take up our cross instead of attempting to avoid the cross and suffering that our Lord offers to each of us individually in our daily lives. The mystery of redemptive suffering, that is suffering that our Lord allows us to experience and accept in this world and then offer back to him in union with his suffering, humbles us, purifies us and draws us deeper into the joy of of a life lived in Christ. That is not to say that we must enjoy or seek our out suffering, but if we are united to Christ, as we experience our daily suffering, we can find hope and joy that exists amidst the suffering and persevere to the end in all our sufferings. Second Timothy chapter four, verses six through eight. Very biblical, isn't it? In the weeks and months ahead, many of these truths will be examined as part of the Senate on synodality. We must hold fast to these truths and not be wary of the attempts to present an alternative to the gospel of Jesus Christ or to push for a faith that speaks of dialogue and brotherhood Mm -hmm. (laughs) while attempting to remove the fatherhood of God. When we seek to innovate upon what God in his great mercy has given us, we find ourselves upon treacherous ground. The surest footing we can find is to remain firmly upon the perennial teachings of the faith. Amen to that. Next point. uh, The next paragraph. The good bishop says, America's bishop, regrettably, it may be that some will label as schismatics those who disagree with the change. I've already been labeled that. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Be assured, however, that no one who remains firmly upon the plumb line of our Catholic faith is a schismatic. Amen. We must remain unabashedly and truly Catholic, regardless of what what may be brought forth. We must be aware also that it is not leaving the church to stand firm against these proposed proposed changes. As St. Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, John 6, 68. Therefore, standing firm does not mean we are seeking to leave the church. Instead, those who would propose changes to that which cannot be changed Seek to commandeer Christ's church, and they are indeed the true schismatics. Wow. You know what, Jesse? That application there, he's calling all those folks who are promoting this synodal process schismatics. That's how I read it. He says, I urge you, my sons and daughters of Christ, 
that now is the time to make sure you stand firmly upon the Catholic faith of the ages. That's the perennial teachings, the positive faith. We were all created to seek the way, the truth, and the life. And in this modern age of confusion, the true path is the one that is illuminated by the light of Jesus Christ. For truth has a face, and indeed it is his face. Be assured that he will not abandon his bride. I remain with you humbly, your father and servant, Most Reverend Joseph E. Strickland, Bishop of Tyler, Texas. Wow, Jesse, I never thought I'd hear a bishop speak like that. Wow. Not in my lifetime. Wow. I thought this was... Uh... Terry, and you know the way the Catholic left, and even the political left, Yeah. they use that word all the time, dialogue. dialogue. Yeah, yeah, it killed me with dialogue. And Terry... The, the liberals have been using this on a universal level in politics and in religion. Yeah. And, but the word dialogue, Terry, all this simply means is, look it, we liberals, we've already made up our mind. They, they already have the answer before they ask the question. Yep. They're just trying to make you feel like you're part of the conversation by saying, well, let's dialogue. No, Terry, they've already made up their mind. And the Catholic left has already made up their mind by these synods on sodomy. Uh, their minds are already made up uh, as to where they want to move the church to. Yeah. What what these synods are? They're a Trojan horse. That's right. They're a Trojan horse, and and the, this whole uh, uh, the the Catholic liberals, the the woke liberals, their pursuit of salvation, Terry, that zeal for salvation and for souls, it's been replaced by social justice. Well said. And you know, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. I'm reading a book early this morning. Um, on Christianity. It was the last book he ever wrote. Ignatius just published it. And the first chapter is on those people who think that universal salvation is the way to go. And he just biblically tears it apart. But here's what he said. He said, the false gods, lowercase g, competing for people's allegiance today are associated with the worship of material things. Yeah. Possessive and manipulative forms of love and power. The cult of material possessions the cult of, of possessive love and the cult of power often lead people to attempt to play God. Yep, I see that today. To try to seize total control with no regard for the wisdom of the commandments that God has made known to us, this is the path that leads towards death. That's writing from the, from the grave right there. That, that was his last book. And I just I say this, Jesse, what we just read from Cardinal Burke, from Bishop Strickland, from all these great men who are coming out and calling things for what they are, I think it's time because we have to mention that the emperor has no clothes on. In other words, what is coming out of the Vatican, all right, I'll say it. I mean, I like saying, you know, make America great again. Make the Vatican Catholic again. <laughs> I said it. You know why, Jesse? Because yeah. what's coming out of that Vatican right now, much of it is not the Catholic faith. It's the worldness. It's 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 uniting. You know, homosexuality is coming on on things that are not part of the deposit of faith. And so that's why I say it one more time: make the Vatican Catholic again. Yeah, and Terry, the uh, Catholic liberals, they're they're uh, that Fulton Sheen actually used this word yeah. in his book "Life Is Worth Living," page three twenty one. Here's what he says: Tell me, he says, liberal Christianity denies what Christ meant when he said, depart from me, you curse it into everlasting fire, mm -hmm. which was prepared for the devil and his angels. So Fulton Sheen, 
uh, again, he says that liberal Christianity, liberal Christians, they deny, it's, it's really the denial of the afterlife, the, the denial of death, judgment, heaven, and hell. That's right. They, they think that they're going to have a utopia here on earth. That's where we want to re- recycle, baby. Yeah. And, and Venerable Fulton Sheen, he also said this. Here's another quote from him. Yeah. He says this, quote, there is no more word there is no word more dangerous than liberalism because to to oppose it is the new unforgivable sin wow you know he nailed it that's the only thing that's unforgivable in the catholic that's right. church that's right. is if you question a liberal prelate a liberal bishop a liberal priest if, or liberal pope if you question them that's the unpardonable sin and that's what bishop strickland has been doing calling out these guys for a long time. And I think that's why the Vatican went in and did their investigation on him because he's not being quiet. He can't. He's compelled by Jesus Christ to preach the truth in season and out. And I want to publicly thank him for doing this letter that he just sent out yesterday. Jess, when we come back, our friends from Church Militant will be here. I've got to run to another appointment, but I want to also remind people, Bishop Strickland will have a conference. We've got a Defending Our Faith conference. He's our keynote speaker entitled Proclaiming the Apostolic Faith with Clarity and Boldness. Got it. Go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Sign up for that conference. I'll be there on the Master's Ceremonies. Stay with us. We'll be back with Church Militant and much, much more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-526. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. We got our Wednesday segment with our friends at Ecclesia Militans. Ah, that's actually church militant. Hey, hey, Brad, how are you, my friend? I found out that that the word church militant was first used in 1311 by, uh, by Pope Clement V in a letter that he wrote to Francis's King Philip the Fourth in 1311, that was a traditional time. Probably used before that, but that's the 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 earliest the the earliest uh, time I found it. Ecclesia militans. Yeah, it's it's uh, going back to uh, the epistle of uh, Saint Paul, you know, chapter six of Ephesians, where he's talking about you know fighting the fighting the good fight, fighting the spiritual fight, forces of darkness. Uh, you know, the world of flesh and the devil, and it is a battle. You've got to fight on all those fronts continually if you're going to, uh, you know, merit the crown of heaven, uh, you know, with God's grace. So, uh, yeah, it is a battle. I wish they would recall that, you know, mentality. You just get slapped a little bit by the bishop on Confirmation Day just to remember, remind you that, you know, it's not just a, a bed of roses, but there's a few thorns along the way you've got to encounter, too. Yeah, I, I, from what I've been told, that the stopping has ceased. <laughs> no more yeah, stopping. The- yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I've been told, that it, does, it doesn't happen no more. I talk to young kids, they go, what are you talking about, Mr. Romero? I said, it happened to me in Mexico. Uh, uh, but Yeah, yeah I, got, I got a little cuff upside the face. You know, I mean, it's not, it doesn't hurt anybody, but it's just a little <laughs> bit of a, whoa, okay. And, well, you're a soldier of Christ, you know. That whole idea of soldier of Christ, you know, confirmation and, and fighting the good fight, it's just being washed out. And I think that's why people are getting steamrolled these days. They're just not really thinking of it as something that they have to fight for. Heaven is worth fighting for. And, um, you know, we have to realize that. So, Brad, what's uh, going on on the culture, politics, and the church? What's going on, my friend? Well, I heard your friend uh, uh, Terry saying, you know, let's uh, pray to make the Vatican Catholic again. We just have another uh, story about that. Nothing nothing super brutal, but 
the Vatican newspaper, uh, it was on uh, yesterday, actually, Tuesday, came out, L'Osservatore Romano, the famous, you know, main paper of the Vatican, in case you're not familiar with it, L'Osservatore Romano comes out and actually condemns, I mean, of all the stuff that they could be writing about, they condemn a Catholic governor, Greg Abbott, in Texas, over in our country, you know, for putting up uh, a fence. He's got wire going up and buoys in the river. Uh, and they, uh, they take exception to that. And they're saying, you know, this is terrible. You know, people are fainting in the, in the heat. And, you know, people don't have water. And people are, you know, women are miscarrying on the way. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you guys are in gender. You're fostering all that by having this massive open immigration policy, which is just ripe for being, uh, you know, the cartels making money out of this, flooding our country. Uh, along with that, sweeping in drugs and, and all sorts of other things, along with that, because they're so overwhelmed. I mean, so many reasons this is wrong, uh, supporting illegal immigration and the Vatican backing that. I just don't know how many layers of wrong that is. Uh, and it goes back to our July 20th, our Positive Faith Coalition, our press conference in D.C., uh, in case people weren't familiar with that, that we called out the bishops for that. Why are you supporting this type of open, you know, illegal immigration? Well, you know, it just so happens you're making millions and billions actually over the years on these immigration policies. You know, you're the you're the middleman on all this stuff. The, the, the Democratic Party is buying your participation and silence along with all this. So, um, yeah, it just it's disheartening when it comes from the Vatican, though. You know, it's it's a different layer of wrong there. So, yeah, you're right. It's it's like uh, it's like coming home and seeing your natural father, you know, sitting in the corner, drunk, uh, you know, watching uh pornography on the television and dropping f-bombs you just kind of walk home come home from school and say dad again that, that that's kind of that's kind of the way a lot of lay catholics feel as we look at the vatican and the holy father we're like ah oh, again and it makes it a tough lift uh uh because the fact that you got to uh call people to respect to honor you know, you, what, you know, you're going to have a kid coming to you telling you that, and you're going to say, well, you know, he's still your father. You still have to honor him, you know. And uh, it, it's a tough lift yeah. that you have to tell people you still have to respect the, the legitimate authority in the church, even if they're not living their own Catholic life the way they should be. Maybe they're abusing that authority. Uh, and to the degree to which they're violating, you know, canon law and that abuse of authority or something, but maybe they are, are, are you know, they're not doing what they need to do, and their prudential judgments are off. But at the same time, insofar as they still sit on the chair of Moses, you know, that's what Jesus said, the Pharisees sit on the chair of Moses. Mm. So what they say, do ye, but what they do, do ye not, for they, for they say and do not. So we got to follow, you know, the 2,000 years teaching of the church and um, let these guys, you know, pray for them, but they're going to have to answer to God on Judgment Day themselves. So, uh, and it's, thanks it's, be uh, to God. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, thanks be to God that Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, had the that had the presence of mind to give us the catechism of the catholic church and i'll tell you why is because uh now catholics we can't be fooled when 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 we hear something like let's just say something about euthanasia or abortion you could just or contraception you could just go right to the catechism and say uh 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 hold on hold on deacon hold on father here's what the catechism says and that's why in the beginning of the page it says uh in the introduction it says the catechism is a sure norm for the Catholic faith. I think St. John Paul II knew that we were going to be coming into some very confusing and dark times, and he prepared the church by giving us that catechism back in 1994. Yeah, I mean, uh, you and I are old enough to know all the darkness that we went through for the, for the 1970s and even in the 80s. 
uh, when it wasn't really white and, and black, it was all this different shades of gray, which is horrendous. And so th there was really a need for that catechism because we had Silver Burdett catechism and every other Tom, Dick, and Harry catechism out there saying, you know, Christ didn't know who he was and he learned like everybody else and blah, blah, blah. And so to have a catechism like that was very necessary at the time. Uh, and yet we still have 2,000 years of teaching. Trent, everything that's been taught by the church is still valid in, in faith and morals. It doesn't change. Just like a math class, you know, 2 plus 2 doesn't matter whether you're in differential equations or matrix or, you know, algebra or whatever. 2 plus 2 is always 4. It always will be. So, uh, but we do have some good news out there. A federal court on Monday backed Alabama, common sense state, red state Alabama, for uh, their ban on transgender mutilation, chemical and, 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 you know, surgical castration and all this is just horrendous. You would think the common sense would rule. And that's basically what uh, on the AG, the Attorney General there said after the win on Monday, and the federal court backed him now, he said, this is a significant victory for our country, for our children, and for common sense, he said. Uh, my goodness, you know, a child doesn't, you know, to say, oh, you're six years old, you can decide your whole future here. And many children are coming out now saying, I'm 19, I'm 20, I'm 20, and I'm permanently maimed for life. Where were all the people that were supposed to be guiding me? My priest, my pastor, my doctors, my parents, uh, elected officials, where were you? You're always pushing me down this path. I was six, seven, 13, I had no idea. Whole bunch of comorbidity, uh, you know, uh, mental issues struggling with at the time and addictions and you just, I'm like, I want to kill myself. Oh, okay, here's a gun, you know, shoot yourself. You want me to load it for you? Ridiculous. Uh, anyway, good, good kudos there for the federal government to back Alabama on Absolutely. that. Absolutely, uh, yeah, that is good news. Position. Yep. Uh, we also have another uh, good news story close to home here in Michigan. A uh, federal judge backed on Monday uh, a Catholic farmer, a family, Catholic family, uh, the Apple, Apple Farm they have, and they for years held out and said, no, we don't want to uh, host LGBT weddings. You know, the statement, and they, and they got a federal judge finally to back them on Monday uh, on that. Steve and Bridget Tennis, they've been fighting for years. It's uh, On our site, we've been writing about it for uh, at least till 2016, 17, back there at least. And uh, this was his statement. He said, the farm reserves the right to deny a request for services that would require it to communicate, engage in, or host expression that violates sincerely held religious beliefs and conscience. You know, if you're homosexual, you want to go there and pick apples on their farm, great. There's no ban. You know, don't ever think that these people are against anybody. And, and same with the people in the, in the restaurants. You know, I, I don't want to, or, or a wedding cake. I don't want to make you a wedding cake. But you want to come in and order some cookies from my store? Absolutely. Come in. You want to sit there and in a chair and dine. And we'll talk with you. Everything fine. But don't have me participate in some way of expression, you know, and photography and writing your, making your cake and hosting your wedding and all this type of stuff. You know, that's a bridge too far. And that's, once again, just a common sense separation of religion, you know, and, and freedom and that type of thing in this country. Meanwhile, Governor Whitmer uh, also came out this week, and she's actually advertising Michigan as a pro-abortion, pro-LGBT state. You know, we have all this LGBT and abortion here. She's actually advertising it in six red states. The, the states are Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Tennessee, Texas, and South Carolina, common sense red states. And she's actually putting advertisements out there saying, hey, come to Michigan. You know, we have open, uh, you know, reproductive freedom, which means you can kill your babies whenever you want, and which is seen just as a form of contraception, so you can have sex without consequences, and that, basically all in a nutshell. Uh, 
And then she's also, uh, you know, we're pro-LGBT and all this. So if it wasn't for federal government bailing out failed states, you know, these, the, the, the original founding fathers wanted these states to be set up independently. And, you know, you sink and swim on your own policy. So if you run your country, say Arkansas, like when Bill Clinton was governor of it, and ran into the toilet in 15 different, uh, you know, categories of education and crime and, you know, whatever. Um, and, or California runs their country into dirt. In Minnesota, Oregon, you let the, the, the thugs run the country or your state. Don't ask other states to bail you out. And the federal government actually does that today, which is overriding this whole common sense thing that there's no consequences for bad governorship, for bad elected officials. You know, you get the officials you elect and they have these policies and you suffer for it. Well, you guys pay for that. And uh, that's not happening uh, today because of this federal government, you know, bailing. They get bailed out. out. They get bailed out by the federal government, by the le- by the Democrats and the federal government. Which is our money. The federal government has no dollars to spend except which they had already took from, you know, somebody else. So they don't, they, well, I guess they can make money by uh, just a wave of the pen right now. But um, and then they put us on the hook for it, though, for our, you know, we have to pay right. interest on the debt. So anyway, it's, uh, it's the, the, in Michigan here, there's a win for LGBT uh, Catholic families saying, no, uh, we don't have to host LGBT weddings. Good for you. Federal government backed them on that. Meanwhile, Michigan uh, Whitmer is saying, hey, we're a really pro-LGBT state. I'm probably doing it in response to that. I don't know. But coming right back out and saying, and specifically targeting red states, saying, hey, come to our, our state. You know, we, we have, uh, we, we wrote the book on perversion here. So, Hey, Brad, uh, uh, there's some, ah, I hear the music. We'll, we'll talk next Wednesday. Thanks a lot, my friend, for coming on and giving us an update on church politics and the culture wars. Uh, keep Absolutely. up the good works. God bless you guys at Church Milton. Keep it up. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. You've been listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Thanks, Brad. Been listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Uh, We're on every single day. Let your family know. Get uh, get this show and just pass it on to your social media, to your friends and family members, and evangelize them. Keep them informed. Let them know that we're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. You weren't made to fit in. You were born to stand out. Pray your rosary every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Read the daily Mass readings. Add penance and fasting into your spiritual life. And go to confession often. God bless you. We'll see you next time.